and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to the program today and a big and a special welcome to the people from these following towns, Bunbury, Port Augusta, Norseman, Broken Hill, Sejuna and Cobar Hunty. Hey. Why did I mention those towns? Because we were just there last week. We were. <laughs> They're towns we went through on our way back from Western Australia to New South Wales, Sydney. We travelled how many k's? I don't know, 10? No, it's more. More? It was. It was almost 12,000 kilometres in 17 days. I worked it out. And yep. My mathematics might be a bit off, but it's somewhere between six and 700 k's a day. And they were, and that is, that is putting into uh, effect <clears throat> the reality that we actually stopped for three days in Sejuna. Yes. It was a fantastic trip. It was a great trip. It was. I love Australia. I love, love Australia. It's the most amazing place. And this is a, a big day. In history. It's the 228th day of 2022. Yep. Did you know that? Nope. If it was a leap year, it'd be the two th- it'd be the 229th day, but it's not a leap year. And I'll tell you some things that happened. 1227, Genghis Khan died. You know who he is? I do. Rampaging his way through Eastern <laughs> Europe. When he died, it must have been a relief for a lot of people, I tell you. <laughs> 1936, this guy, Robert Redford, was born. You know him, Hunty? Yes, quite an attractive... Very famous actor. Yes, quite a handsome rooster. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. All the girls liked him. 1950. He's still alive, by the way. Really? Yeah. Cool. He is. He's still alive, directing movies. 1954, James Cameron was born. Mm. Titanic. Another great director. Terminator, Avatar. Don't know that he's done a whole lot of good movies. Maybe Titanic. I don't know. Oh, um, his movies are cutting edge. He set the standard. Uh, Yeah... I think if you have a good look at them, a lot of them are morally bankrupt. <laughs> True. So, True. Uh, 1977, you know what happened then, Hunty? I actually, there's not a lot of days in life I remember, but I remember this day. And I was 13 years old. Yep. Elvis died. You know what? It's funny you should say that because I just got a text from a listener who said it's an- the anniversary of Elvis's death. That's from Lil. Yeah. August, well, there you go, Lil. <laughs> you're on the, you're on the ball. You and me, great minds think alike. Uh, 1987, 155 people were killed when Northwest Airlines Flight 255 crashed while trying to take off from Detroit. Can't even remember it. Wow. The sole survivor was a four-year-old girl called Cecilia Sheehan. She was found several feet from the bodies of her mother, father, and six-year-old brother. She sustained severe bones and fractures to her skull and collarbone and left leg, but she was the only one out of 156 people who survived. They actually found her in her chair, and the chair was upside down like that. I'm saying like wow. that, it's radio. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was upside down on the ground. And, but she survived, and I think she, she never talked to anyone about it until 2011. What about this one, 1992, Larry Bird? Do you know who he is? I don't. Oh, hunty. Oh, hang on. No, no, I don't. I don't know. You don't know who Larry Bird is? No. Shame. Shame indeed. One of the greatest players in the NBA. Do you know what the NBA is? Uh, National Basketball. From where? Association of the USA. Uh, <laughs> you're out. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> He's one of the most pure shooters the I think the NBA, perhaps the world, has ever seen. He announced his retirement. He won three NBA championships. I remember them all. 1981, 84 and 86. And today, August 16, he announced his retirement. One more. I know you'll know this one. Aretha Franklin. 
Oh, yeah. Awesome voice. Dunno. Never heard a sing. Oh. You're <laughs> funny, kidding. Yeah. Funny how you and I have different interests. Have you seen the Blues Brothers, the movie? No. Oh. No, I have not. I'm not a great movie watcher. No, me Never either. Never have been. Uh, what? Was she in that? Yes. Well, she died in 2018, so oh. she, she's not long been gone. Oh. So it was a big day. Uh, August 16. I could have put a whole lot of things in there, but we just don't have the time. But you know what makes today special? We're on here, live radio, right around Australia, sharing the love of Jesus. And Indeed so I want to we welcome are. you to our program today. And I hope and pray like I do every week that you will see a, just a snapshot of how beautiful Jesus is. Hunty, what's up today? Okay. We've got a couple of awesome guests uh, today. We've got uh, Pamela Tannen coming up next and we've got Paul Fuhr coming up later in the program. We've also got one of my favorite segments, Ask the Aussie Pastor and time willing and it should be today we have a great bible study planned for you i wouldn't you. guarantee that no i wouldn't guarantee Paul it either. And I, i've been looking forward to this interview for a long time <laughs> him and i grew up together he married my my brother i was gonna say he married my sister no his sister married my brother so we have history hunting. okay so <laughs> i'm looking forward to this uh interview um what about ask the aussie pastor have we got enough questions we need any more you know what we'd always like to hear from you and we can always take more questions let me give it a quick plug so if you'd like to send in your question to Ask the Aussie Pastor, you can do it one of two ways. You can text us on 0488-880-851, or you can email them to us, and the address is info at aussiepastor.com. Oh, very good, Hunter. You're on fire today, On mate. fire. Yep. It uh, wasn't like last week, was it? No. <laughs> I was, I was we running around with my head on fire no, on flames. We were sitting in the car, remember? Yes. We were sitting in the car in the caravan park in front of a wall. That's right. And it was the one thing I think you hadn't remembered to get was the, was the phone numbers and the email. You can remember the email. That's pretty easy. It is. But the phone number, look, man, you're doing all right. You've only had, what, two years to, yeah. to learn that. And you're getting older, so we understand, man. That's going to take you a little bit of time. Um Listeners, welcome to our program. I think we'll start with a prayer. Hunty, would you like to pray today? Certainly. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this afternoon and we present before you our listeners, Lord, with their problems and their needs and their hurts. Lord, I pray that you'll wrap your arms around all of them and bless them, Lord, and grant them peace. Especially, Lord, I ask that you bless my mate Lloyd as he opens your Bible. And Lord, we're here for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to lift you high in this community, Lord. So I pray you'll bless this program, Jesus, in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Sting, sting. Sting, what a great idea. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I was busy praying. I was waiting. And my for eyes that. were closed. I was waiting for that sting. I was waiting for that sting. I knew that when he started, his face started, uh, his eyes started to float around the room, that Did. the sting wasn't coming. Wasn't coming. <laughs> um, this first song is, I think, the first time I heard this girl sing, I think I, I thought that perhaps I had seen the most beautiful girl in the world that I had, and I was third. Uh, no, how old was I? 40, 40 something. And I thought, man, I just saw the most beautiful girl in the world that I've ever seen. In fact, she's so beautiful. You know what I did? I know what you did. <laughs> I went and married her. That's right. <laughs> this is my Liska. Yes. Liska Groleman. And what song she's singing, Hunty? Praise His Name. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Good song. I hope you enjoy. So proud of this girl and love her so much. She has a heart for Jesus, and I think you're going to hear it in her music. This is Liska Groleman, and the song is. Praise his name. Mm-hmm. 
That's my beautiful wife, Auntie. What a beautiful song. She is, and she's a beautiful singer, and she comes with me in a lot of programs I do. In fact, I'm about to go to Melbourne, Auntie. Yep. Uh, to do a program down there at Warburton. You're coming with me. I know, right? And for the first time in a long time, Lisk is coming as well. It's nine programs, I think, over three weekends. Is that right? That's correct. In Warburton. We're in gonna, Warburton. We'll tell our listeners more about that so that we can uh, invite you to come along. I want to welcome to the program today Pamela Townend. Are you there, Pamela? I am. I am here, Lloyd. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Now, um, you, you're actually a pretty famous girl in our church here in the South Pacific. <laughs> Indeed. Am I? Yeah, you are. And it's not because of who you married. It's because of what we're about to share today. It, okay. It is, a, it is an incredible, it's an incredible story and a wonderful thing that you're, you're into. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you brought up? Okay. Well, I started life in Melbourne, Victoria. And at seven years of age, my dad and mum shifted to Bendigo so I could get a Christian education, and I did my primary school days there. Yep. And then as a teenager, we went on to Ballarat, and that's where I um, did yeah, all the teenage youth stuff and left home from. Did you go to Avondale College slash university after school? Not straight away. No, I didn't. I actually contemplated it. Um, but chickened out, yep. and the following year, contemplated it, chickened out, okay. <laughs> contemplated it, chickened out, and then an event happened, Lloyd, in my life, where my one of my best friends was killed. Oh, dear. And I went, you know what, I, I need to reevaluate life and what's important, and my cousin said to me, she had just finished at Avondale, she said, there's this fantastic Bible lecturer at Avondale College slash university. Yep. Um, I think you should go and do his course because he has helped me immensely and I really feel that at this point in time, you just need something to help direct, answer questions, help me explore what was happening um, through, you know, through this, this tragedy that had occurred. And so I went, you know what? I applied, I got accepted, and I went. Can I guess who that lecturer was? <laughs> Have a guess. Because I reckon you were only a year or two before me, not long before me. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reckon Alan Lindsay. No. Okay, okay. No, but you know what? That's a very good guess because he was awesome too. But this particular lecturer was a guy by the name of W.A. Townend. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been smarter than that, shouldn't I? Uh, and the funny, the funny thing is, Lloyd, when I got there, Avondale said, well, actually, his class is booked out and you can't do it. And I said, no, you can't do that to me. I've given up my job. I've left home. Yep, yep. I need to be in his class because it's come highly recommended. Anyway, they said, well, look, you go talk to him and if you can convince him, um, to let you into his class, well, then so be it. So I did. I went knocked on his door, told him my story of why I was there. He took one look at me and he went, you turn up at 7.30 tomorrow morning and, um, yeah, you can sit in on my class. And do you know what? It changed my life. Changed my life for two reasons. I was about to say, what relationship <laughs> Pamela Townend has <laughs> WA Townend got to you? <laughs> He ended up becoming my grandfather. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you wow. know what? 
He will tell you, and and I know it's true because I spoke to his wife, Irene, to to verify it, and he said that the day I turned up on his doorstep at his office, he went, my grandson needs to marry this girl, and he started praying for us every day, and he and Nana were faithful, and then later that year, Glenn and I actually got engaged. So he takes all the credit. Um... It's, he said it, we didn't have a chance. It's <laughs> it's amazing actually how those old men and women of God have instincts for stuff like that, isn't it? Ah, oh, it was incredible. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, really? So you met Look this, this arranged marriage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you met this guy, Glenn. You fell in love. You got married. He was studying to be a pastor. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Now, when I went to Avondale, I said to you know, God, I'm actually open to find a life partner. Anybody but a pastor, thanks. <laughs> how, many really girls, how many girls have said that? <laughs> <laughs> has he dragged you all over the place? Yeah, he has. We've been um, Queensland, Tasmania, Victoria, Perth, Fiji, and New South Wales. Now Sydney. Uh, um, how many children, grandchildren? We have three beautiful children. One living in Perth, another in Adelaide, and the other in Brisbane. And they have given us five grandchildren, and the sixth one is due in six weeks' time. Wow, that's exciting. Genuinely exciting. You must struggle at Christmas time to work out where to go. <laughs> I mean, you really are torn from one end of Australia to the other. Well, yes, but Christmas actually, every second year, the Town End Clan has a tradition where we all get together at a place called Stewart's Point. Yep. And there's probably about 50, 60 of us, and every second year we're all there without fail because it is a beautiful family time where we all connect. And as the, even my children and that generation, they wouldn't miss it. Yeah. For the only, I was going to say for anything, but then COVID did upset us. So yeah. they, they did miss it. We all missed it because of COVID. But generally speaking, that's one event every second year that we are all there with bells on. Pastor Townend Sr., the old fellow, your grandfather-in-law, was a gentle soul, as he I was. remember. And he was he was quite renowned as quite a Bible teacher. Is he still mm-hmm. with us or has he gone to rest? No, he passed away a number of years ago. Um, but, yeah, Glenn and I, we often, and so do our children, still refer to some of his sayings, some of his biblical insights he was an amazing guy, and I can say that at that point in my journey, because of what had happened, he just was able to put the Bible, Jesus, into a whole fresh, uh, um, wonderful way that it actually enabled me to work through my grief and come out stronger and very focused. Is it? Is that when you met Jesus? I mean, in an inter- obviously, it sounds like you were brought up a Christian young girl. I was. But yes. Did you have? Did you have an actual? You know, now I've decided to follow Jesus. Sort of experience. I did at the age of twelve. Um, the guy was very heavily. Um, our family were Adventists. Um, I grew up with morning and evening worship. Went to a Christian school. Had wonderful friends. But it was somebody else's um, faith, if you know what I mean. But at the age of 12, a missionary came to the Bendigo um, church where I was 
worshipping and they told these amazing stories and I sat there and went, you know what, I want to be a missionary. And from then I went and sought out um, our pastor and I said, can I have Bible studies because I want to know more about this Jesus. So I had that at the age of 12 and then when I went to Avondale, I went, I delved deeper and kind of all kind of made sense because I was looking for answers in relation to around tragedy. And I think that sometimes that's when we can get thrown off track because we're hurt, yeah. we can be angry. Yeah. And despite my confusion, I knew that Jesus was the answer. Yeah, yeah. And you've been with him for a long time now. Yeah. Now, you are a pastor's wife. Your, your husband, actually, for those who, who are interested and know, um, is the leader of the church in Australia and New Zealand, the Pacific, actually, we would, for, yes. our, for our listeners who might not know our church jargon, he leads the church in the Pacific for, for a few years now, too. Um, yes. Do, do you remember how long? We're, well, as far as this particular role, we're in our um, fifth year, sixth fifth year. year. How many years have you two been ministering, you know, as in the church? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Wow. Okay. I'm thirty-two. I told you. I'm not. I'm not far behind you guys. I reckon that you're making me feel very old. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at me, I'm sure. <laughs> so, Mind you, I married very young, Lloyd. Okay. <laughs> you know what? The years roll on pretty fast, though, don't they? They and, do. And, and you look back and you go, "Oh, wow. Where did all that go?" I, I'm. I'm becoming really aware of the fact that my time is running out. If that may, I don't mean on Earth, but in full-time ministry, you know, I'm 58 yes. and you think, how many years have we got left? And so every year becomes very important in the work of the Lord. Look, you have an, an amazing ministry that you're involved with. Um, tell us what it's called and then what it's about. All right. It's called the 10,000 Toast Campaign and the tagline is turning the tide on diabetes. And so I guess that puts it into perspective. Um, so we're, our focus is mainly on the islands, Um turning the tide, because diabetes is terrible out in the South Pacific. In fact, some of the worst countries in the world for diabetes is Tonga and Samoa, um, and then the other islands all seem to trickle in behind it. So um, my boss, when I first came back to from Fiji um, to here in Sydney, was a Solomon Island surgeon, and he came back one um, holidays and he said to me, Pam, I've had a terrible Christmas. Three of my colleagues have passed away due to diabetes. Now, I have myself a history of diabetes, so it really touched a chord with me, and I just went, man, three prominent. One was a doctor, one was a, a, a lawyer working in, the, um, in that field, and the other was an accountant. And I'm thinking... You know, they died in the in the age of 50. Wow. That was me, you know, as in that was yeah. my age bracket. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a diabetic, but my grandmother died when my dad was four because of diabetes. Mm. And I just felt taken back to being a child that had grown up without her grandmother because of diabetes. And I said to Chester, we've got to do something. And I within... An hour, hour and a half, the 10,000 Toes campaign was born. 10,000 Toes? What's that about? Yeah, so we went, if we could, this was the initial thing, if we could find um, 
people to donate a hundred dollars, and we had for you know for toes to yep. save toes. We okay. could raise a so million dollars. Diabetes attacks the toe. I actually don't know too much about diabetes. So did you know, Lloyd, that every twenty minutes in the South Pacific, somebody has an amputation related to diabetes? Okay. So it could be their toe. Or it could be their half foot, or it could be their whole foot. Then it goes up because if they don't deal with it, then they just keep chopping off further and further, and eventually, sadly, it will it will they will pass away. Why is diabetes so prolific in the islands? Actually, I, I know it's fairly prolific in Australia too, but I'm just wondering yes. why in the South Pacific Islands. Well, we have some added issues in the Pacific from the point of view of healthcare is not the same as it is in Australia. So many, many people do not even know they're diabetic or pre-diabetic. So by the time they discover, um, one one gentleman I knew, he was working with um, young people, a cyclone came through and in amongst the rubble he kicked his toe, he got a, a, a sore, he patched it, he kept working, he didn't worry about it, he got infected, he finally went, oh, my goodness. I better do something about this. I'm getting a red line. Yeah. So he goes to his doctor and they. the result was he had to have his toe amputated. Now, uh, why did this happen? Because he was actually diabetic and he did not know it. And so, therefore, um, healing doesn't occur properly. And so, therefore, where you and I may kick our toe and it heals, a diabetic doesn't have that same um, pleasure or joy, their body can't cope with that kind of thing. So the people on the islands do not know, so therefore they don't know how to deal with the issue and when disaster happens, they just think, ah, oh, it'll be right. So it it, is it diet-related? It is also diet-related. So... Um, as we probably know, these days a lot of Western people have gone to the islands yeah. and with that we have taken our culture with us. Now, what is our culture? Well, we've taken white rice, white bread, um, chips, Coke, you know, all those healthy all, all things. All those things, Hunty likes eating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not me, so not now, me. <laughs> now yeah. they go to their gardens, they make all this beautiful produce they take it to the markets and sell for money so they can go to the shops and buy that Western food which these wealthy Westerners have brought. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not saying that those kind of foods are not uh, uh, we shouldn't be eating because yeah. I think it's all things in moderation. Yeah, yeah. So but what, it's the fact that they don't know what, you know, that it's, it's bad and they eat it every day. So this 10,000 toes, you go out and you're trying to raise a million dollars. What are you we've doing? we've already done that. You did that, yeah. Yep. I've, I've actually got no doubt you did that. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, um, what do you do with the money? All right, so we've got, it's, three, it's a three-prong three prong, um, approach. One, we want to provide screening kits so that we, they can go around and screen and say, you're pre-diabetic. You've already got diabetes. We can help you. Or you're so sick, get to the doctor's ASAP. Then we want to educate them. And we have some fantastic programs. We partner with ADRA. Mm -hmm. 
um, who has a Live More Abundantly program which focuses on how they can improve lifestyle, make behaviour changes that will take them on a journey to improve their health and many times be able to reverse the diabetes. So that means that they'll be feeling yeah. better, healthier. Yeah. We've got so many stories of people who can't go to their gardens because they're usually up a hill yeah. and they're feeling short of breath. Yeah. And after doing the course, they end up there pulling out weeds and feeling so much better. Life changing. Um, Life changing. And then the final one is we need to upskill our health professionals because they may be trained out there, but they don't have the opportunity like we have in Australia to have ongoing training. And so we want to teach them about if they eat healthy foods and that kind of lifestyle um, medicine. And has it made a difference? It has. It's very exciting. Um, look, COVID has slowing us down, but I am going to say that we are delivering across 10 countries. Yep. We have got five over or 4,900 ambassadors who are trained in the 10,000 Toes campaign. We have five mobile clinics, a couple of them are water clinics that are popping around all the islands because there's a lot of water out yeah. there in the yeah. South Pacific. Um, we're training the health professions and we are getting data and able to analyse that to show that, yes, it's making a difference. And why is that data important? Because we can take that, the, the million dollars that we have raised, we're using as seed money to show that the cycle of the 10,000 Toes campaign actually works. Now we have the World Health Organisation who has awarded us three um Acknowledgements, and awesome. with that has come American dollars, which is also wonderful. And as we keep um, showing them the results, they are using our campaign to take it further afield, right to the point that last Thursday, Lloyd, hot off the press, yep. they said to us, here's another 30000 take it Lord. to a country you haven't been in, and now we're about to go to Nauru. Fantastic. Awesome. So um, I know you're out of time. You've got to go to another meeting, and so I don't want to hold you up. Uh, two quick questions, and then we'll finish. Um, yeah. Where can I go to find out more about 10,000 Toes? Okay. Well, we have a web page, so 10,000 <clears throat> toes.com. That's pretty easy. Um, so www in front of it. Yep. And on there, you'll be able to see our news stories. If you want to have a look at the ambassador video, um, you can you can have a look at that, which will share more um, about what I have been able to share today. It also has lots of other opportunities, buying socks, 10,000 toast socks, which um, will enable the work to continue. Because while we might be getting a bit of funding now, we're about to go to Papua New Guinea, and that's yeah, a huge country. It is. And we need to find more funds so that we can prove to their government um, that it also works in, can over I, there. Can I give on that web page, Anne? You is can. Tax, you can give. You will find that it connects with ADRA um, because they have tax deductibility, yep. which is wonderful, and we partner with them um, to roll out our, our programs. And for those of you who don't know, ADRA is actually the Adventist Development, Development Relief Relief, Relief. Yep. yes. Yeah, which is similar to Red Cross or any of those yes. other, dare I say, better. <laughs> of course. I, be I better not say that. <laughs> One of the I? best in the world. Well, it is, a be <laughs> it, it is a best development relief agency in the world, I think. It is. We, it's a, we it's been awarded that. that, yep. 
Yeah, it has. And they are right there on the cutting edge. When cyclones come in um, out there in the islands and floods and volcanoes, they're right there. So, look, we're we're delighted to partner with them yeah. because um, they are a well-known organisation out in the South Pacific. Well, they're actually here in Australia when things go down too, aren't they? Yep. They are. We Floods. love them. Yep. Yeah. Well, look, thank you for joining us today. I think um, if it's okay, can we get you back on another month or two? Because next time I'd actually like to hear some stories when you've got some time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate the invitation to come today and we'll accept any invitations in the future. <laughs> okay, God bless you and thank you for this wonderful ministry. Thank, thank you. you. See you. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. That's a good story, Hunty. That's fantastic. I say that because I think I'm actually pre-diabetic. Oh, dear. Yeah, for a while now. I've been trying to sort it out with diet. Yep. Um, diabetes is not a good thing. I'm doing my best not to get it. Yep. But yep. I can imagine the carnage it causes out there where they don't have the same medical help. And what Pamela Townend is doing, and it, it's come from her heart. It's just uh, exploding into this huge ministry that's making such a difference um, all around the Pacific. Indeed. Uh, and I pray that as she goes into New Guinea, a country which is deep in my own heart. Yes. Worked up there myself Me with too. those beautiful people. I hope that um, it goes well there. And if you do have, if you're a listener and you have some spare cash, yes. it's tax deductible. You go to 10,000toes.com. That's right. I tell you what, there's, there's not much more worthy a cause than that. Saving a life. Yeah, too. it is for yes. sure. Hunty, I'm going to, you know, I always like to let you introduce uh, when these guys, when we bring some of their music to the show. Who is it and what's the song? Okay, this next song, it's a ripper. It's by one of my favourite Christian groups of all time, the Heritage Singers, and I just absolutely love this song. It's a golden oldie, so uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the mighty Jordan Roll. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and he brings a calm assurance to my soul. of ages clap for me gave his life on Calvary He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul The beginning and the end best of all he is my friend He's the one that makes the mighty Jordan roll Jordan 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. Good song. Um, your style, Hunty. Of course. You're an old 80s man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll just say, the first time they come to Australia, back in the 80s, yep. my dad brought them out. He was a youth director. Yep. And he got in contact with the Heritage Singers. But you knew this because you, did you tour with them? On yeah, the I, first? Did the, I did the videos of the first tour and I toured with them. Okay, so you were in Brisbane when they came up there? Yep. To the, they, yep. At, at the entertainment yep. centre? You know, where they did the boxing in the Commonwealth Games in 80... You can, if you go to Google, you can 82. see, you can see the videos that I made. They're still up. Okay. Are, are they YouTube. In HD? <laughs> oh, no. D- digital analog. No, what were they? They're SD for sure. Do they look good? Not compared to what we look at today. Unfortunately, that technology was old. Okay. It looked mm. good back then, though. You would have been happy. Oh, with yeah. It. We were very proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Heritage Singers to this day. I think we've mentioned a few times now the leader, Max Mace, has died, but they're soldiering on. They are. I don't know how they're going without him because he was, he was inspirational. He died of cancer, I think, uh, a year or so back. He, uh, he was the same age as my dad. And so when they when they came to Australia, my dad and him hit it off pretty well, actually, yep. and were friends for many yep. years after. Yep. Uh, news. We're into the news. We're a bit late today with the news. We normally have it at the beginning. But yeah, that's my things, fault, listeners. Well, it's no, no one's fault. It's just the way things have been twisted around. Um, this first news article, uh, and, and if you ever wonder why I bring the news in every week, do you know why I do that, Hunty? I think it keeps our program uh, relevant uh, to today. No, not really. No. I do it because I want people to see the times we live in. And interestingly... That's what I just said. If you were to... Hey? <laughs> That's what I meant. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Another disconnect between us. <laughs> <laughs> we have them all the time. I think I think it's great that, that you present our Bible through relevant eyes. Well, we're trying to show that we're living in end times. Mm. And the things that Jesus said in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and, and Mark something, I've forgotten it. Oh, man. Pastors, I've seen these pastors can pull these things out of their head, not this one. Yeah. Uh, I try to. Um, I'll come back to you on the Mark one. Okay. Matthew 24, Luke 21, Jesus is talking about what it'll be like just before the end. And then you see these things happening and you're going, wow, wow, wow. So I'm not bringing these news articles on just for interest's sake. I'm trying to show that we are living in end times and there is an urgency to know Jesus Christ. There genuinely is because soon he will come. So let's have a look at some of the news articles today. The first one, it's a, a, a Murdoch news uh, item, and it says what would happen if China invaded Taiwan. Mm. And with the recent stir-up over there where Nancy Pelosi went across mm. and seemed to stir a hornet's nest up, um, the American military has been wargaming what would happen mm. if China was to invade Taiwan, and it would be catastrophic. Yep. But America would win. And who else would take opportunity to raise their ugly heads during that conflict? Would be other country? 900 planes would go down. Yep. 900 American planes would be destroyed. Entire fleets 
would go under the sea. But somewhere, somehow, the Americans, as a game that, believed that they would be able to stop an invasion of Taiwan by the Chinese. But the consequences would be so horrific. The costs would be high. And it bothers me a lot that media and politicians entertain the idea with today's weapons of fighting war. Yep. You know, if, if Russia and America went together, went at it together against each other and used nuclear weapons, they've gamed that too. They believe five billion people on the earth would die. Stop and wow. think about that. Wow. Five billion. Is that two-thirds of us? <sighs> Maybe. Three-quarters? More. In- uh, it scares me that politicians are thinking about it. Me too. What is going through their heads? Do they do they not stop and think of the ramifications, whether it's Chinese politicians, American politicians, Australian politicians? Look, I understand the Taiwanese wanting to protect themselves. That makes sense. I understand the Ukrainians want to protect themselves and are forced into scenarios where they would need to defend themselves. But the idea that we would even contemplate war between these superpowers is so frightening for the consequences for humanity, I'm stunned that we even think about it and that they even entertain the idea of nuclear weapons is very, very scary. There's a, there's a new scary weapon, which I, was, which I was reading about the other day, these AI, as in automa- automated and artificial intelligence weapons, where countries now who have got them program them to go to battle and, f- and, and do missions, killing missions, they're not stoppable. Once they've programmed them and closed the door... They can't radio a stop command. They can't. They can't email on a stop command. These these fighting bots go and do their work until their work is done. Starting to sound a bit like Terminator. I know, right? And and the concerns I have is what if the the codes hacked before they're sent on their business? Goodness oh, only knows. I, I take some comfort here in what the Bible says that Jesus will come. Jesus will come mm-hmm. and destroy those mm-hmm. before they destroy the earth. Praise the Lord. He will come and destroy those before they destroy the earth. But we certainly are facing threats militarily like we never have in the entire history of humankind. I don't think we've ever lived in a more dangerous time than we do today. I heard the Chinese ambassador say that they're prepared to do what's necessary. Well. He was intimating that's full force if required. That's very scary. Well, scary for China and for the United States. Mm. It wouldn't be all one-way traffic for either side. Mm. There'd be a lot of death. Mm. Um, The rent crisis could force many to live in cars. Now, that's particularly pertinent for me at the moment because <laughs> yeah. I've just spent 17 days <laughs> living, living in, car. in the back of my car. <laughs> that's true. Travelling from Perth, well, not Perth, but Bunbury via Perth. And may I say, listeners, Lloyd was living in his car, sleeping in his car every night, and can I say I was jealous? <laughs> because we had uh, cyclonic 80, 100 kilometre winds chasing us and raid, and I was staring at the roof of my tent, sometimes as close to my nose as a as a. Well, the problem, matches. the problem with your tent, my friend, was it wasn't big enough for you to stretch out. <laughs> the but, problem was it couldn't survive a 100 kilometre an hour wind. And, and, and so Hunty's too tall for the tent, and then the tent's bending over on his <laughs> nose. So the problem is if you'd got in the car, I'm pretty sure you would not have been able to get into that either because... I was hitting with my head the front seat and with my feet the back of the car. So, and that was a Hyundai Santa Fe. <laughs> yes, Santa Fe. No, so, I was happy to leave you in the car by yourself. But apparently, more and more people are being forced in Australia to live in their car because mm. they can't afford rent. And, t- and tents. Well, where would you live in a tent? 
Well, that, that, it's been on a current affair, it's been on the news, people in little tent cities now who can't afford rent. And there's, there's, it's a deal problem. Not only can they not afford rent, they can't find a place to rent. 30 families turn up now to, to, to view a rental. Well, when we were in Perth camping that night, you remember next to us a guy yep. who lived in his tent. Yep, in the caravan park. Hunty ended up giving him his stretcher. I did, his stretcher. My, my camp bed. Yeah, and stretcher just wouldn't fit you, would it, mate? Not because not I'm that great a guy. <laughs> it's just, I was hanging off the front and the back. <laughs> yeah, both ends. Very and shh, the sides. <laughs> it, it's, it's a bit disturbing, though, in Australia where you see people starting to struggle for accommodation. And I know mm. I was talking to the leader of our church here in Sydney and I was saying, man, I, I'm not sure I can afford to live in Sydney anymore because the rent is so heavy, hunty, and it's going up exponentially so fast. Mm. It's making mm. it very, very difficult. And so a lot of people are being forced into cars and tents and some on the street. They reckon that the food banks have never had so – that the food banks, in this article telling us that the food banks are see an increase in customers of between 60 mm. and over 100%. Mm. There, there are parts of our city where the rents are very expensive, northern beaches, etc., where they can't get police, fire or ambulance workers because – when they transfer someone to that area, they come across what a thousand, two thousand a week for rent. That's more than I earn, and so there's jobs now going on the northern beaches for for the for basic care for our community, which they can't fill. Well, they're not getting the pay to be able to live down there. That's right. Actually, you know, I, I was sharing with you the other day that in Riverston alone, there's one house now that just went for eleven hundred dollars a week rent. Ouch! In I, Riverston. <laughs> this is Riverston, our town. Yeah, yeah it's this our place. Is not, this is not the rich uh, suburbs of Sydney. In fact, I've noticed a phenomena. I don't know whether you're noticing this around where you live, where houses are selling um, near me a one, I, I almost offended at this, a one garage house mm. down the end of the road, 1.1 million on a 250 square meter block mm. i mentioned this before yep. i'm still in uh yeah price shock traumatic shock over that 1.1 million but you know what i notice families are moving in together which is not a bad idea yep grandma and grandpa yep uncle and auntie husband and wife all the kids and so in my street now with these 1.1 million dollar houses you got to recognize i live in a very ordinary working class street hunting mm. in a very mm. ordinary working class suburb riverston in my street you got cars everywhere yep. because all these people are packed into the yep. house together and they've got to do it and i think what they do is they pay that mortgage off then they yep. go and they buy another one and pay that so they're doing it together which is not a bad idea but the problem is a lot of people just don't have family yep. where they can participate in that kind of a an approach to housing so it is a problem isn't it mm. and it's one i hope we don't see get worse but i suspect we might they are predicting it to get worse what about this one, Movie World, Smoking oh, Area? This is a ripper. Tell us about this one, Humpty. <laughs> well, I think the the people that own Movie World, or at least run Movie World, are anti-smoking. And because, have a sense of humour. And because, yes, they have set up the very special cordoned-off smoking area in the old Western Cemetery. 
Yeah, and so so the, the, they've they've got a fake Western cemetery with all the tombstones yep. and everything there. It it looks like a real cemetery. It does. And if you want to smoke, you've got to cut you've got to go to the cemetery thing. to smoke. <laughs> if you're a smoker, I'm sorry about that. And we probably possibly shouldn't be laughing because it is a real problem. It's a Smoking problem. Is a real yeah. problem. Hard it's, to kick. It's interesting. I I like to study and look at people's lives, Hunty. Yep. Especially some of the more famous people on the in the world. So I'll go through their lives and see what they did, how they lived, and how they died. And you'd be stunned. Um, Especially when it comes to Hollywood, famous actor after actor after actor after actor has died of smoking and cancer-related or sickness-related disease, which is, you know, with smoking. Mm. And it's incredible. It is dangerous. It is destructive to your health. And so I just thought, you know, movie world, smoking area in a cemetery was... I don't know. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> Bit of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah. And this last one, a, it's, a, it's a good news story. Did you read this one? I read it, yes. In in America, the Little League World Series is big, big deal, mate. Oh, yes. It's huge. We Now, Little League is baseball. Yes. Have you ever played baseball? I have. I played baseball I once. like it. I played baseball once. It was up at my college uh, that I went to. I got a scholarship to Pacific Union College, believe it or not. That's a miracle. <laughs> Some would say proof that God existed, and God did take me over there because that's where I met Jesus. But the story is, I, I I I got the bat and I had the bat, and I'm a cricket player, not a baseball player. I never played baseball in my life. So the guy throws the baseball pitch over. Uh, no, a softball. Yep, fast pitch softball. So he he pitches it, and I dance forward. You know how you're doing cricket? You'll dance out of the crease and hit him for six. Yep. And I hit this thing over the fence. <laughs> I thought I'd got a home run, and I got fouled. I, I was out because you're not allowed to leave some little box or something or other. But this kid's playing baseball. They're little league. They're under 12, and he hits one of his mate, one of the opponents in the head as he's throwing the pitch. Did you see what happened? And, I did. And in real baseball, that, that'll cause a fight. Yes. and It's called beaming. Yeah, well, that's what cricket calls it. Oh, they baseball call it baseball too, yeah. yeah. Bean ball. Bean him. Bean him in the head. We call it a bean ball too in cricket. Mm, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you read that in the article? No, I just know that. I'm going to check that, listeners. Oh, here we go. I'm it's gonna, on again. Yeah, I'm going to check that. <laughs> Anyhow, this pitcher hits the kid in the head, and the pitcher's most distressed. He's 12 years old. He's crying. Yes. So the kid falls down to the ground who's batting. He's pretty hurt, but then he gets up. Yep. He realises the pitcher is crying. Yes. Because he's upset he's hit this kid. Well, he's actually. made it to first base, and they were about, yeah. they've about to restart well, the game. He, he, he didn't make it to first well, base. Well, they walked him to first yeah, base. Yeah, they walked him yeah. to first base. So he's crying. Yeah. So he walks across to the... To the mound. To the mound, where yeah. the pitcher is, is crying. And instead of hitting him like they do in the big baseball yeah. league, he puts his arm around yep. him. And says to him, it's all right. And I just thought, that's a good news story because our kids sometimes get sportsmanship better than the other. Yeah, it brought a tear to my eye. I thought that was an amazing show of sportsmanship. Yeah. So mm. when you look at these news stories today, Hunty, yep. um, pretty serious stories, real. War between China and the United States. Rent crisis. Mm. The smoking one, I'm not sure. I think that's <laughs> probably a good news story, that one. <laughs> I think you need to look up. You need to read Matthew 24. Luke 20 up, and you need to look up to this because I'll tell you what they tell you, Jesus is going to come very soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
Okay, hunty, this song's another good song. Thanks, Home in the Morning. You want to know something? Paul Fuhr is already online. So when we've had this song, yep. I want to go straight. I want to. We'll, can we do that? Yeah, we'll jump to his section. We'll twist around yes, and come back. Great idea. Let's have this song first. Good song by okay. Signature Sound, then Came the Morning. Yep, and he has some signature sound. Enjoy.
auntie, you know what? That the morning will come. Sure will. Jesus will come. These bad things we've just been talking about, they're not going to continue. Jesus, you can be sure of it. Jesus will come. Mm. The morning, the night is deep and dark at the moment, but the morning will break and we will see Jesus. Amen. Paul Fua, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation. I'm not sure whether I am. <laughs> like the lion enjoys a steak, I reckon. <laughs> Paul, Paul and I have history. We go back a long way. Um, for our listeners, his sister married my brother. So we're blood. We're blood-related, brother. We are. Welcome yeah. to the program. Thank you, Lloyd. Um, and I'm glad. To, I am glad to have you on board. Don't worry. Uh, this is a friendly place, and we're glad. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, mate. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Queensland until I went to Avondale. So I wasn't overly disappointed with the the third football game that took place a few months ago. Oh, actually, Hunter still <laughs> he's still not happy about that. <laughs> so you're a Queensland what Brisbane? Well, Townsville until. Um, until I was in year five. So you, parents, were you born up? Were you born in North Queensland? Well, I suppose I'm going to have to add myself now. I was actually born in Newcastle, but moved yeah, there. Yeah, so was Lloyd. Was also born in New South Wales. The two of you, the two gigantic traitors. <laughs> we're born again. But I was in Queensland before I could talk. Born but, again so, traitors. Yeah, so it's interesting. My parents um, decided to move to Brisbane. Yep. And so that my my older sister Julie could attend an Adventist high school. There wasn't one in Townsville at the time, and I'm absolutely certain that that sacrifice that they made was uh, instrumental in where we all are today in the Lord. Okay, so you went to an Adventist Christian school to year twelve. Yes, actually, yes. K one to twelve. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah, all the way through and Townsville to year five, and then then. Your high school, Brisbane Adventist High School, then yeah, through to year twelve. I think I would have been two or three years ahead of you, um, but that's where we picked up. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, listening to you, you grew up in a Christian home. I did, yeah, definitely, and, and I would say, um, praise God, a very Christian home. My parents were faithful. My my grandparents, my grandfather was a minister, and they they typically lived close by. And so we grew up in an environment where we had morning and, and evening worship and my parents were, were very connected and committed to the church and um, I felt that that was a very blessed um, upbringing that I had. Actually, I'm trying to remember, but I reckon it might have been your mum and dad that started the youth church at um, Springwood. Well, that, that was certainly involved, yeah. I mean, the Springwood Church was growing and they could see that there was a, a really large number of youth who yeah. were potentially going to become unhinged or disconnected. And so they, remember, they hired the hall up the road. I do. And they, they had a program there every week. And my dad, along with uh, another member of the church, would, every Saturday morning would go and get the chairs with a trailer and put them out. And, see, I didn't um, know that. And, you, don't, yeah. you don't know the back. The backstory of some of these things that you're blessed by. Um, what what interested you as a kid? 
I can answer that question, but I won't. <laughs> Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Well, I can start let, by let saying... Let me answer. <laughs> cars, 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 cars. There was cars and sport. Uh, I mean, I can tell you, sadly, what didn't interest me, and that was schoolwork. I don't think it <laughs> captured your interest either, Lloyd. Let's, uh, let's ask him what he does for a living now, shall we, Lloyd? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, no, I, I, I wasn't real... Well, yeah, we were interested in cars and sports and everything other than school, but we we, we still way. got the basics at the school, didn't we? They yeah, they we worked, but, but I think you and me, to be fair to say, if the teachers back look back on us, Grollam and Fua, they'd say, yeah, those two were a tough gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I got a I got a, an ADHD diagnosis at thirty five, which didn't help, did it? Didn't help the school then. <laughs> you 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 did you have AD AD and what is it? ADHD? ADHD. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I did now. Okay. Um, Attention deficit disorder. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you, you were into sport. As I remember, you were a pretty fast runner. Um, yeah, a little bit later in life. I, I was 4 foot 11 in year 10 and 6 foot by the end of year year 11. And so <laughs> I just grew too quick. I was a little bit like a giraffe, but it caught up with me. when I, By the time I got to Avondale, I was able to put it all together. And you took an interest in basketball too. Yeah, yeah, the basketball was pretty popular at Avondale. And, um, well, you went to Avondale. So, Tell us about that. Well, I, I left Year 12 and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I went and worked at Sanitarium Healthroot for a little while, a healthroot company for a little while. And um, then you will remember that you and I were doing carpentry together. Yeah. And um, eventually I, I just decided that I wanted to be a nurse. So I enrolled to go to Avondale and when I got there, and registration, um, I, I don't know, I just had a change of heart and decided that I wanted to be a teacher. Wow. So I went through that. And, was, was, um, was Avondale a good experience for you? It was very good. Mm. It wasn't good for a few of my lecturers, but it was very good for me. <laughs> you you <laughs> actually, and I, I don't say this with any, any other, um, it took you a few years to get through there because you were living the good life. Well, that, that auditorium has, has to accept some responsibility for that because if there were degrees <laughs> going in basketball, I would have had one with honours. Yeah, you would have. Uh, actually, I, I can remember some of the things. Paul Fool was a bit of a lad at Avondale College, and I can remember some of the things you do, did. Do tell. I, I feel like exposing one story here. Mm, here we he, go. he came yes. to me one night. We were all on bottom floor. Do you remember that, Paul? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and he said to me, he's, "If you could see his face now, listeners, it's <laughs> the horror, the horror." He came to me and he said, "Oh, he says, look, uh, all the heavies are coming up tomorrow to have lunch at at at, at Avondale. Do you remember this, Mister mm, Fuller? <laughs> he said they're coming up. He says, "I've got an idea." He said. Follow me, and I, and I don't know what was happening. That I was tired that night. I said, "Oh no, I'm not doing this," and I went to sleep. But the next day, all the heavies from the church right around the Pacific yep. had come up to Avondale College now slash University. Do you remember what you did? No, I don't. Actually. <laughs> they took all the chairs, remember, and oh, put the them camp. put them down in the girls uh, in the toilets down in the swimming pool. Do you remember that? Yeah. So, I remember so that. all the heavies turned up. <laughs> 
and they're having a special lunch and they could not find these chairs. Nobody knew where they We looked. Even I didn't know where they were. There would have been, what, four or five guys who knew where those chairs were. Yeah. And they never found them. You remember that? They never yeah, found yeah. them. So they had that special lunch with all the heavies there, everybody standing up. What a larrikin. <laughs> oh, there were other things, man. I mean, one guy came out. Do you remember this, Paul? And um, they, uh, th- They'd taken his room out. And put it up on yeah, top of the cafeteria yeah, yeah. roof. Do you remember that? So this poor yeah, dude comes out. In fact, I think he ended up being Paul's brother-in-law. Uh, that one wasn't me, Lloyd. Oh, that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we did. We had so what I would call good, pretty much most of the time, innocent fun at college, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just mischief. It wasn't yeah anything devious or intent. We never, you, you never, we never hurt anyone. We just had a really, really, I would call it good, clean, fun time. Yeah. And we walked out of Avondale, I reckon, to say, and I think I'd say the same for you, with some of the best friends who've stayed with us in life for our journey. No question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when, no question. When did you, because I'm interested in this, and I don't really know the answer to this question, when did you, Paul Fuhr, Meet Jesus Christ. And I'm talking, now you were brought up a, a, in an Adventist home like I was, went to Adventist school, that's fine. But when did you meet Jesus and say, now I am, I've had a, I, I, I've had a born again relationship with him, I'm now a disciple. Was there mm. a point in your life where that happened? Absolutely. Um, I had a, a, a dear friend who was, uh, who came into Gosford Church when, when we were living there. And he read his way into the Adventist message. He was in the rock and roll music scene and very successful, caught up with all of the trappings of that industry. And somebody put a copy of The Great Controversy, a book from, from our church called The Great Controversy. That Just, just so our listeners know, sure. that's, that's a book of the story of the war between God and Satan from mm. the beginning until the end. So it doesn't stop. And it's, 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 it's actually... Finds its roots in the scripture. Anyway, go ahead, mate. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he read that book and couldn't put it down, and started searching for more books, and ended up reading the Bible, and and he read his way into into really into the gospel or into the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and he was telling me about it, and I can remember hearing his experiencing just feeling so hollow because so, it was so when this happens, I, you're already a you, you, you're married with three children. Yeah, and you're a teacher in the Adventist school system. Yeah, and and well, actually, I think I'd left teaching by that stage. Oh, okay. I was um, working in corporate roles by that yep. stage, but I yep. was very, very active and involved in church, okay. in, particularly with music and and um, teaching a Sabbath school, Sunday school classes equivalent, and um, yeah, very active. But, but you didn't hearing. have, you didn't, so even though you brought up in the church, you, you've gone to school right through, you, you've been to college, you didn't have an intimate thing with Jesus? No, I didn't. Were you in your and, 30s and when this happened? What's that? 20s, 30s? Lord, I was 40. Wow, okay. Mm. Go on. And so this is the scourge of Laodicea. Yeah. You've, you, you've got a problem, a spiritual problem, but you don't even know it. And I thought that, that things were going well, but I can remember very clearly remember hearing this, this friend's testimony and feeling hollow because I thought, man, I've never had that. I've never had anything like that. The, the, the joy that, that he had when he was telling me about his conversion was, was really causing me to, to ask questions about my own experience. And so then at the end of that, he says to me, so tell me about your conversion, Fu Man. And 
I looked at him and I said, well, you know, it's different like, because I haven't come out of the world. I've sort of grown up in, in this. It, it just sort of happened over a long period of time. And I, I think I may have satisfied myself by saying that. But what I should have said, look, I can't tell you because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Well, it happened about three years later. And so... Um, so you better somebody, tell us what happened. What happened? Yes, yeah, somebody put a book in my hands. It's a, a book called A Trip into the Supernatural. It's Mornay. written by Rod, Roger Morneau. Yeah. Who actually and is dead now. He's Yeah, he's, he's gone to his rest, yeah. 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 And so anyway, I, look, my life was so compartmentalised. Somebody gave me a book and I think, well, I won't read that during the week. That's my time. I'll read that on Saturday, you know, on the Sabbath, you know, like, because that's, that's, that's God's time. The rest of the time is mine. And so I, I just started reading it one Saturday morning and, and I, it really hooked me and I couldn't put it down. I kept reading it and it's reading a pretty it good and book. reading It's a powerful book. Actually, I think it will hook just about anybody. Well, it's exactly what I needed. Now, I'm ashamed to say that, you know, with, with all of the learnings that I'd picked up over the years, I'd become a theistic evolutionist. I didn't take the What's first that mean line. for our listeners? What does that mean? It means that I, I managed to find a theology that incorporated um, a, a evolution into the creation story. Because so you're, when a, you're, a geography, you're a geography yeah. teacher. Yeah, and I used to subscribe to National Geographic and, and just be, you know, really saturated with this idea that things took place over millions of years. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that, that creation took place over six consecutive days. And I used to say, oh, look, you know, Genesis wasn't a science journal, you know, it was just really introducing, you know, the concept of life and it doesn't matter if it takes place. And, in fact, I became quite clever. At, um, at arguing against people who believed in the six days, the six literal days of creation. But this topic came up in that book and it outlined very clearly where evolution comes from and it's not God and it's certainly not the Bible. Yeah. And it, it hit me so hard that, that I gave it to my brother-in-law who has since gone to his rest as well. I said, David, you need to read this book. Like, it's changed me. You need to read this book. And I said, it talks about evolution. He and I were the same. He was science, I was geography. And uh, we were very comfortable in our, in our space. And he says to me, like cynically, he says, what, okay, what do you believe now about creation and evolution? I said, I'll tell you what I think, what I believe. God said it and I believe it and that's good enough for me. And I said, if God can't be trusted for the first nine chapters of the Bible, then how can he be trusted for the rest? I've since heard um, Eric Walsh, I don't know whether you've heard of him, but he yeah. was preaching up here once and he said, if God can't be trusted for the first nine chapters of the Bible, then how can he be trusted for John 3.16? It's so true. That Eric Walsh actually is the brother of Courtney Walsh, the great That's right, yeah, yeah. He, he actually made serious life choices to follow Jesus Christ and gave up yeah. much but gained more. So yeah. was, was it at that point, we, did you say to the Lord, here I am, it's Paul Fuhr, I want to follow you? No. Well, I mean, I was, things were shaping up that way. Yeah. But um, we had, so we have um, camp meetings. I don't know whether our, your listeners understand what that is. But in our church, uh, once a year, um, our regional conferences just organise a camp meeting. 
And um, there's, there's about a six, from, or, six or seven of these camp meetings are all around Australia. And yeah. Queen, South Queensland. They're, they're really Paul, wonderful. Yeah, where Paul and I come from, maybe seven, 8,000 people on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Thousands during the week. Uh, north. Is it on north, right now? No. No, okay. So yeah. North New South Wales, I don't know how many go to your conference up there, Paul. Yeah, it'd be, I think they've capped it just because of the size of the... But they the get together, this singing, this preaching. So go on, mate. Yep. Yeah, so somebody, there's a gentleman came out from America called Herb Larson. Yeah. He was a, a lay preacher. He wasn't employed as a minister. He was just somebody who who wanted to spread the good news. And he was preaching at Brisbane, and I wasn't there for that, but I read a copy of his messages on CD, and his message was really simple. And it was this, just spend an hour a day reading the Bible and praying, and I promise you your life will be different. And it's like, man, that's a long time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, um, I, I've never read that long, you know, anything. And um, But he told stories. And if, if I may, I'll just tell you very quickly tell you the story that helped me. He met somebody on a plane. And when he was talking to him, you know, it came out that he was an evolutionist. And so, you know, he's trying to reason with him about, you know, the, the flaws in that in that thinking and so forth. And eventually, he doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. He's a professor, a science professor who, who kind of knows his stuff, you know. So Herb Larson, so finally, meets, this, Herb Larson meets this science professor. Yeah. yeah okay. And finally, he says to him, listen... You just spend 30 days, 30 days, an hour each day, reading your Bible and praying, and if your life is not um, changed at the end of it, then I'll, you send me an invoice and I'll reimburse you for all of the time that you've wasted reading the Bible at your hourly rate. Now, Lloyd, I'm ashamed to say this. I actually said in my heart, wow, he actually believes there's power in that book. Yeah. Mm. And I didn't. And anyway, I just thought, okay, well, what happened? What happened? And he changes topic and I'm saying, Herb, don't leave me hanging here. I need to know what happened to this guy. And he comes back to it and he says, okay, so you're probably wondering about this guy. He says, well, let me read you his email. And that guy had a total transformation, Lloyd. We were living at Gosford at the time. And I was driving down to Sydney and as I passed under the Brow Bridge, which you know well, over the, on, uh, the, the overpass there, I said out loud on the freeway, I said, Lord, I'm going to spend an hour a day reading my Bible and praying as if my life depends on it. Yep. Because it does. Yep. And I'll tell you, Lloyd, my life has never been richer. It's the very greatest thing that I've ever done. I went home that night, like I floated home that night. You yep. know, my marriage is better, my relationship with my children, everything has changed. Um, I find so much joy in my work, in, in serving our church. Um, it's the happiest, happiest years of my life. I'm interested, and I want to ask you, you start to read the Bible one hour a day, right? Mm. You're praying a bit with that? Yeah, look, it's funny, you know, because I would pray for three or four minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And at the end of that, it's like, man, I've run out of things to say. Yeah, yeah, okay. How long did it take for God to start to impact you personally, intimately, and deeply in that experience? So you start from day one. How Lord, long? It was instant. So it was from instant. the first you know, day. Here's the, here's the shameful thing. I went home looking for my Bible. Yep. And I said to my wife, I said, uh, do you know where my Bible is? Yeah. And she said, um, yeah, isn't it beside your bed? 
No. I went looking for it. It was right down the bottom of a wooden chest we had in our study. I don't know how long it had been there. I mean, this this will give you an idea about how connected I was at that stage. And I found it out. And when I opened it the next morning, Lord, it was like John Wesley, you know, when he yeah. when he read it for the first time, you know. This, um, Do you remember so, where you went? Do you remember sorry. where you went? Do you remember where you went? Where did you start? Yeah, look. Now, look, I'm asking these questions because there's people listening right now who have not had the experience that you're sharing. You're saying, I think the challenge is, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying 30 days, give God a go. One hour well, a day. That's the yeah. Man, I've done it. I did it. it. It was now. It was 2008 that I started. So where did you start reading? I started in Matthew. And, look, I don't know why, but that's just where I started. I started in Matthew and I, I got all the way through um, to Revelation. And Now, we went to America, you know, a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I, and, and we had good friends who were helping us with an itinerary. They travelled to America a lot of times. He says to me, Paul, don't take a camera. So What? He said, no, don't take a camera. You just need to live it for the first time. You'll get caught up with all the touristy things. Just go there and breathe it and live it. And I love that advice. It, it's, uh, we took one anyway, but we, we kind of tried to do both <laughs> of course. and not, of course. not get caught up. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just yeah. oh, I'm going to get this photo. I'm going to get that photo. We just, you know, we smelt it. We ate it. We, you know, we, we lived it. We, we really uh, enjoyed that experience. And I kind of took that, that approach the first time I read the Bible from cover to cover. I just said, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop and, and underline and mark and you know look for chain references and I just want to read it. I just want to get the narrative. I just want to get I like the story. That. I like that. So I did it all the way through it. And look, let me tell you, Revelation was tough. That, that's a very tough book. And I just went, okay, I'll read it. I've read it, but I don't understand it. But yeah. interestingly, I, I wouldn't encourage people to start in um, in Matthew. Because when I went back and read the Old Testament, I thought, like, ah, now I understand that story in the New Testament. Now this, this fits. Now that, that makes sense. Um, look, you know, for, for people who want to get caught up, like, you know, it's New Covenant, it's Old Testament only, you, you just wouldn't believe how much of the Old Testament is in the New Testament. Mm, There's a reason yeah. why God preserved all of the canon of Scripture. We need the whole lot. Well, almost the entire New Testament has its roots in the Old. So, oh, so where yeah. would you say start to someone? And, and I'm asking you, and I want to move on to just a couple of quick questions before you go to. Sure. But where, where would you? Where would you? Because I like what you've been saying. Where would you encourage someone to start in the Bible? I've started Genesis. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've literally just finished again uh, reading Revelation about a month ago, and I'm back in Genesis. Genesis, but this time it's different. Every time I do it, now um, you really like. I mean, when I when I got to Hebrews, I studied Hebrews for three and a half months. You know, like when you could actually read it in two days, two sessions. You know, so would you it's, read it Genesis right through to Revelation? Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I would. I, I I would strongly encourage people just to read it cover to cover and not necessarily get hung up on the first pass. Just just read it, just to learn all of the stories, like. There's some amazing stories and Kings and Chronicles and Samuel and Genesis and Exodus and Did you find you know, those, did you did you find so, it ever got a bit dry? There were there were times when I think oh, I don't really understand you. So, I mean, have you read the book of Ezekiel, Lloyd? So would you just rip through them the first time or would you stop? Yeah, I did. Okay, so now. I, I, the reason I ask that, because I, I, I like what you're saying, and I've never really thought of it like this. You're saying just go for a pictorial journal journey yeah. through the Bible. Then go back and start to get into it in a deep sort of yeah, way. because it will make sense later. That, that's what I believe. Okay. Look, now, look, I, I roughly do it every year, not yep, always. Yep. 
And, you know, I find verses in Isaiah, like, how many times have I read this through now? I've never seen this before, or I've never understood it. I mean, we're never going to get to the depths of that book in this lifetime. It's arguably the, one of the greatest books in the Bible. Oh, well, it's, oh no, but what I mean is the whole Bible. We're just yeah. never going to fully understand no, 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 no. that in this lifetime. I'm finding things I think, oh, wow, okay, now I see it, but I, I never saw that before. There's, it's a, rich. there's a depth, isn't there, to Scripture yeah. that the more you read it, it's like God dives you down deeper and deeper. Exactly, exactly, and that, that's exciting. I mean, I, mean I, I won't take the time now. I mean, perhaps one time when we're, we're chatting again, but I've found things um, that no one has ever taught me. Yeah, I've read Bible commentaries. I've read everything that I could find to try and understand one verse in Matthew chapter 1. Mm. And after three and a half weeks, because, look, um, one of the times that I read it right through, I, I made a decision, a commitment that I wasn't going to read on until I understood <laughs> You'd be still back there. <laughs> well, but I mean, I, I understood it at the time, but now there's still there's more and more, more and more and more depth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Revelation, Daniel, and Revelation were tough, and Ezekiel's tough too. But anyway, I, I got stuck on a verse in, in Matthew chapter one, and I was like, "Hang on, three and a half weeks. I've yeah. studied, I've read commentaries, I've looked at the Greek, I've done everything I could possibly find, and then finally one one night, I went, Friday night, I went to sleep lame. I said, "Lord, I've done everything I can to understand." If you're agitating it for me, what are you trying to teach me? And so I said, I'm going to bed. You wake me up when you're ready, ready to teach me. I woke up that morning at 3.45, which I don't know. I get up early, but not that early. Yeah. And I was praying, Lloyd. And, and you know, after about 10 minutes of just meditating over that verse, I saw a picture of, of God's love that I had never seen before. I shared it with people. And it's like, wow, where did you learn? I said, God taught me. Yeah. Because, you know, because I prayed and meditated over that verse, I read everything I could find, I studied the Greek, looked at the Old Testament references, did word studies, everything I could find. And I believe that God revealed something to me in prayer. It's know, pretty awesome. Which I'll share with you one day. Yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome when God does that. Pretty it hasn't awesome. happened as many times as I'd like, to be honest, but when it does, I, I had tears in my eyes that day that God had trusted me with, with, with new light for me anyway. But, yeah. Did your, did your praying get deeper and more fulfilling as you got into the Bible? You know, did you, you said, oh, when you started, you were praying for a minute or two or three or four. But yeah, and, and even out. that was, yeah. You know, um, so I'm a school teacher now, and uh, which maybe we'll talk about in a little bit, yeah. but one of our teachers has got a little poster on the back of her wall that says, if all of your prayers were answered, would the world change or just yours? Wow. And that's what changed, Lloyd. That's what changed for me. Uh, all of a sudden, I had a burden for family members and friends, you know, who weren't in the Lord, just praying and praying and praying for them. Like I prayed for one guy for three and a half months every day in discouragement because I couldn't see any change, you know. And so, yeah, they, they became more others-focused, um, praying for our school, praying for our families, praying for kids who are really wrestling with the big questions of life. So, so and, well, where do you work now, mate? So uh, we live at Moolumbar, which is um, just a little west of um, Coolangatta Tweed Heads, yep. uh, up at the southern end of the Gold Coast. And I'm the principal of a Seventh-day Adventist school there called Tweed Valley Adventist College. Now, when you first went there, how was the school going? Um, it, it was pretty challenging. Um, the, the enrolments were down, and they look, you know, schools are businesses. We need we need customers, you know. 
um, the school had 92 kids. And that's was a, that a, a kin, just a kindy, prom- kindy to 12 school. Wow. I mean, you do the maths. Wow. It's wow. not viable. No. And um, so, you know, it was it was very challenging. Um, did you take fact, did you take God into that situation with you? Oh, mate, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about that. I mean, th- I'll tell you how challenging it was. In May of that year, that was 2010. In May of that year, um, I got called down to our head office at Newcastle, and the president said to me, uh, "Paul, I'll be frank. You got 12 months to turn that school around, and we're going to close it down." And, uh, you know, I said to them, well, you could have told me that before I said I do. You came from a good, from a good oh, gig. You were up in Toowoomba. Yeah. You were yeah. happy. It's a good, strong yeah. school. Yeah. And you yeah. come down here, they give you 12 months. Okay, so you go back and what happens? Well, um, they called me to the job. And, look, Lloyd, my problem, and you'll know this, my problem has been pride and self-sufficiency. Isn't that everyone's? Well, I don't know. It's, it's oh, particularly been a problem for me, and you know that. Um, like, I was very, very confident and very pleased with my progress and um, very we sure. We used to that, like to that shake that confidence on the squad. <laughs> did you, Janice? <laughs> <laughs> I was very sure that the reason for my the, the success that I've found in my career was because of my brilliance, and there was no room in there that God made me. Well, you were a winner. You, well, you played to win, whether it was sport or you were. You were a winner. You didn't lose a whole well, lot. Yeah, but that's that's a problem, Lloyd. Well, that's, know, that's, when, that's where the confidence and, and the, sometimes the pride and the arrogance can build upon itself, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I needed to be humbled. I really did. There was no way that, 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 that self and God can work together. And so um, I was always ambitious. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wanted to be CEO. I wanted to be, you know, climbing the ladder. And I left teaching after seven years to do just that. And um, things were going very well. I had a number of, you know, um, promising positions and earned well and and all of those things. And then I had my conversion experience. I lasted not very long. You know, I came home one night and I said to my wife, you know, if we really believe that Jesus is coming soon, what we're doing is just making stakeholders rich, ourselves rich, you know. There's there's no, no future. Everything that we're building now is going to burn. And so we said a little prayer that night. We said, Lord, if you've got something for us, we'd love to be serving you. And um, so anyway, long story short, we ended up at Toowoomba. I didn't want to go teaching again. I'd been out of teaching for 14 years. And um, anyway, we went there and we had the most blessed year. Like the Lord um, used us to start a revival at that school and it was really the most incredible experience. I was teaching Bible and and, uh, in September of that year, I started a school choir there, and things were really happening. It was just the kids had a hope and a future, you know. They had teachers there who loved them and, and who would invest time with music and, and, and all sorts of things, you know. And um, I got a phone call in September of that year. We're looking for a principal at Tweed Valley. Well, I was teaching. I wasn't in administration mm. at, um, at Toowoomba. And... You know, normally, like they tell me a little bit about the problems, you know, with the school, the challenges, and and I remember saying to my brother-in-law David, who was very dear to me, I said, you know, David, ask me any time in my career, can you do this job? Because it was in trouble. The school really needed, you know, significant um, change. 
I said, ask me any time in my career, can you do this job? And I say, yep, with both hands tied behind my back. I said, I actually think this is too big for me. I don't think I can do it. You know, like it's it's such a, a huge responsibility to be in leadership at this time in Earth's history, you know. And so um, we prayed about it very earnestly for two weeks. And they said to me, oh, come and see the school, come and meet the team. I said, no, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming down. There's only one voice I'm listening to. It's not the staff. It's it's not even my own. We're just praying our way through this. And so uh, we we felt encouraged that that God was calling us to the school. And so we put it on the altar, and you know, we got that abiding peace that that comes you know knowing that you're walking in God's in God's will. And we moved, but I still had, you know, a couple of months to finish up before we moved down. And, and, and I remember very clearly just praying every day, Lord, what do you want me to do in this school? What are we going to do that to to turn this around? You know, like it's not viable. It's, I didn't know they were going to close it, but I knew that mm. you can't continue making, you know, enormous yeah. operating losses every year. Yeah. And there was two things that, that, I, that I started with before I went. And one of them was I'd made a promise to the Lord that we we're going to have all Christian staff. Well, that's, you know, you think that would be a logical place to start in a Christian school, but it's not as common as you might think. Mm -hmm. So that was the first commitment. And the the, the next one, even in spite of the massive problems that we're having financially, I just said, Lord, I'm not going to take this school into any extra debt. Mm -hmm. There was no debt. There was no external loans. There was operating losses that we owed to our head office. So that were the two things there. And then as I got a little closer, um, I... I made another promise to the Lord that we we're going to take the school back to we call it the blueprint in our in our in our religion, and that was really the original plan that God has for Christian education, just to make the Bible front and center, to have agriculture, to train the, the students with a lot of um, trade skills and vocational skills, just to, to make them valuable in life, and and um, so we made that commitment. And I just got to tell you, Lord, God has been so faithful. Like we could write a book. Uh, maybe the ways that God has Maybe you should. What's that? Maybe you should. Yeah. Look, there, there are so, so, so many stories we, we love to tell. You know, when we visit churches, just to tell them really the, the stories of God's providence and how He's provided for us. And, you know, when we've had nothing. Is the school on acreage? Yeah, we're on thirty-two acres. And look, you, you, you've been to to this area, Lloyd. It's just beautiful. It's it's like heaven on earth. Do you get? You're talking about. Getting the kids in gardens, is, is that what you're saying there? Yeah, yeah. So we have agriculture. I mean, the things that are really important to us, uh, we have agriculture. And, and look, read the Gospels. Yeah. So many of, of Jesus' illustrations come from the garden, you know. And um, Do the kids I like getting it. out in the garden? They do. Yeah, they do. And, I mean, everything in life now, Lloyd, is instant, is about instant gratification. Yep. You want it, you have it. You yeah. pay for it later. You, you know what I mean. You, you you want it now. You don't wait. But this is what I love about the garden. You don't plant in the morning and harvest in the afternoon. It takes time. It takes nurture. You've got to build up the soil. You've got to fertilize. You've got to water. You've got to make sure that the bugs stay away. It just it's there's so many life lessons in that garden. And how did you uh, bring spirituality into the school? Was it just with the spirit you brought with you, or? Did you work with the teachers first and try and bring them? To Absolutely, us? we did. Like we have a week of prayer at the beginning of every year. We have a staff week of prayer. Okay. We we get ministers in like you. We'd love yeah. you to come and take one for us one day, Lloyd. They come in and just every morning, it's it's a spiritual focus. We start the year 
um, we start the year with with God. Um, we have we we always have more chaplains than the, than the you know the chaplain ratio. So what's a chaplain? What's a chaplain? Well, in our school, the chaplains are they care for the welfare needs of the students, you know, yep. counselling and stuff. But they're also spiritual leaders in our school as well, so they're heavily involved in organising Bible studies. And Lloyd, I, I don't know what whether this would resonate with you, but we've got a, a student, um, three hundred and thirty kids in our school now. So it's, it's and, tripled. Yeah. 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 But we only offer Bible studies from year three to twelve because the little is they're just not quite. I mean, we have worship with them every day and yeah, stuff, yeah. but they're not yeah. quite ready to do Bible studies yet. Yeah. We've got uh, more than two hundred Bible studies. I think more than two hundred Bible studies every week with students. We've got around seventy eight percent, I think, of do your, students, do your doing, students doing voluntary Bible studies. Do your students wow. make decisions for Christ? Yeah. Yep. They do. We have baptisms all the time, Lloyd. It's just, it's just such a blessing to to be in a place where God is so evidently moving. The kids get a chance yeah. to practice their faith. Or do you take them out to churches or? Oh, we sure do. Yeah, yeah. So we're a very musical school. Um, I, I get involved in music as well, and like people joke with me and, and say that you know I don't. I don't uh, interview staff. I I audition them <laughs> because so many of our staff are musical. You're, you're um, never teaching there, Hunty. If he's auditioning, <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a choir of around seventy um, students and staff. And Lord, the Lord just continues to bless. We had a here's a challenge for you. I had one of our parents come in to for a meeting uh, about a month ago. And he said to me, he said, Paul, I was praying for the school, and he said something. He said, the Lord impressed me that the students at Tweed Valley are well-fed but under-exercised. And I knew exactly what he meant. Yeah, I knew yeah. exactly what he meant. I mean, we've got Bible studies. We've got Bible classes. We've got chapel. We've got everything going to, you know, to give students knowledge and yeah. opportunities to know God. But, but, you know, God needs workers in the vineyard, Lord, not not eaters, you know. And so he rang me back three days after and he apologised. He thought he might have offended me. I said, well, you haven't offended me, but you certainly rebuked me. I agree with you 100%. And and so I shared that with staff. And I said, we need to start praying for opportunities for students to be involved in service and ministry. And so in the last month, we've had invitations to go everywhere. Yeah. We're going to Toowoomba. We're going back to that school that I was at in two weeks. We're going to Brisbane Big Camp in September. We've been asked to go to, to uh, an Adventist school at Lismore called Blue Hills College. Um, our students, my son, who teaches here now as well, has started a, a, a ministry, a service ministry called Pick a Street. He loads a trailer with um, whippersnippers and, and mowers and goes out on a Wednesday afternoon with students. And so... Well, you know, we want our kids to to exercise their faith, not just not just keep it to themselves. This is when faith grows. It's a good story, uh, Mister Fua. Wow. Um, I wish we had more time, but we're running out. But um, to finish, and, and maybe we can get you back. It's the second time I've said I'd that like to, to guests sure. today because I'd mm-hmm. like to I'd like to pursue a few more things with you. Um, and we'll get Hunty to talk to you and get you back in a little bit. Sure. But yeah. we have a um song here from your school. But just before I get you, Paul, to introduce it, and it's wonderful, merciful saviour. Okay. Um, I wonder if uh, um, you could just leave us with a thought for parents who are bringing their kids up 
in Christless secular culture? Yeah, look, it's it's tough. And I, to be honest, Lloyd, I, I got asked um, to to move to other schools, and that was a really easy conversation for me. I would say no during that conversation. I wouldn't say, look, I'll take it away and I'll pray about it, because uh, we had children at our school. All of our kids came to this school, um, and it's been the biggest blessing. And I'm so grateful to say that all of my children are, um, are still in a relationship with the Lord. They're active in their church. And we believe that this school has been a very big part of it. One of the reasons that I, the reason that I would say no when I was asked to go and lead other schools was because our first ministry is in the home. Now, um, we were... We were asking the Lord if we could move. We, we could see that the secular influences in the place that we were living before we, uh, before Toowoomba was was going to be detrimental to salvation of our children. So we were asking the Lord, and He was faithful. Um, but my my terrible fear was that for the first five, six, seven years of my children's life, I wasn't walking with the Lord. Yeah. And they grew up going to Sabbath school and, and going to church and they saw their, their parents active. But, you know, one morning within, I don't know, within a couple of weeks of me starting to have this, this special time each morning, I was sitting down in the lounge um, downstairs at our, at our house and it was dark. It was early. And my daughter came down. She would have been about four. And she said to me, because it was the middle, she thought she would have thought it was the middle of the night. It was really yeah. five o'clock or four thirty yeah. or something like that. And she said, um, "Dad, what are you doing?" And I said, um, "I'm reading my Bible." And she said, "Oh, okay." I said, "Darling, it's it's early. You, you go back to bed and come down in a little while." And so she did. She went away, and and I just started getting upset because I'm thinking, you know, she's four years old. She's four years old and this is the first time she's seen her dad reading a Bible yeah. and I was praying that morning saying, Lord, don't let them be lost because of my unfaithfulness, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what happened the next day? Mm-hmm. I was down reading. She came down with her Bible and my youngest son with his little picture Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they came down. They did that for weeks. We just read the Bible together each month. I just put aside whatever I was doing and had that time, you know, reading the Bible with them. Wow. So be, you're saying be the real deal. Absolutely. Like fathers have got to be the priests of the home and, you know, and so the other um, the other thing that I did, Lloyd, you know, before I went to bed at night, I went into each of my children's rooms. They were in bed and I knelt down on their bed and I prayed over them every night for yeah. years while they were sleeping. Yeah. God has been faithful. He, he's filled, he's, well, he's, he's re- repaired the... Um, He's repaired the breach, you know, that, that through my unfaithfulness, um, you know, for those years when I was enrolled or had my membership in the Church of Laodicea. So it's not too late. Well, there's life, there's hope. You know what? It's It's been a long journey from that yeah. wild boy. 40 years, Lord. Yep. That's what it was. Yep. From that wild um, boy I knew, Hunty. Yep. In his, <laughs> yep. in his Fiat, roaring around the streets, stirring up. <laughs> Cops up and everybody else to what we see today. God bless you, my friend. Thank you, you want to introduce us, to see you again. You too. You want to introduce yeah. this last song for us? Yeah, when we've got a recording studio at school, which is another miracle story in itself. But when COVID came, 
and we couldn't get kids to school. We had to lock down, and so teachers still had to come to school. So we just got our teachers in and a few of the HSC students who were allowed to come to school, and we, we just sang songs and, and uh, like this one and just put them on, our, on YouTube and sent them out to our parents just to give them some encouragement and hope. So, so here it wonderful, is. merciful saviour. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, mate. God bless you, Lord, and Andrew. Thanks, bud. Valley Adventist College Choir in lockdown. In lockdown, indeed. Um, if only you had known him like I had when he was a boy. <laughs> we were good friends in the 80s and 90s no, and 2000s I'm as well. school, mate. Oh, school. Yeah, no, long no. before you came on the scene. Okay. He was a real lad, and the way God's got hold of him and changed his life is quite amazing. And is. he is one of is. 
the schools, if not the school, if I'd had a choice to send my kids to, yep. it would have been his. Yep. Because it is deeply spiritual. But yep. he doesn't force Beautiful it grounds. There are kids that go through yeah. there who never make decisions for Christ. And the good yep. thing about his school is it's getting really good scholastic results as well. Yep. So it's not just a, an emphasis on the spiritual. If, if, if you're north of New South Wales, south of Queensland, it is probably one of the premier private Christian schools to go to. Huge estate. Plenty of sporting ovals, well, manual there. arts, arts, you've music, You've been there studios. recently, haven't you? I've been there a number of last, times over the last few years. You were there years. last Christmas, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went up yeah, Paul's a good friend, and we, we caught up over the holiday break. But the school is magnificent. You've got, if you've got kids of school you were, age... You were up there camping. Yeah. If you've got kids of school <laughs> age, the, you without, should check it out. Without the kids there, you were camping and living it up there at Moolambar. Yeah, I had the whole place to myself. It was lovely. <laughs> um, well, you know what happened is we actually literally ran out of time. That's because the interview was so good. Who could pull it up? Well, it was interesting. I, I found it, find it interesting. I find it interesting to watch people I know who have had major life changes and the difference Christ has made. And, and he's one of them. And it's quite yep. dramatic. Yep. And he's quite intense. And he's quite... Real and deep about what's going on with him and Jesus. If, if our listeners could have seen him then, he was actually getting emotional all the way through it mm. because of the difference Jesus has made in his life. Hey, last Sabbath. That was a big day. New Hope Adventist Church became a fully fledged church. That's right. The Seventh day Adventist movement. Seven years on from its inception, we are now an official, fully qualified Seventh day Adventist well, actually, church. Well, actually, we're not. Aren't we? It's going to take a couple of weeks because it goes to... Oh, the paperwork, yeah. No, 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 it goes to what's called a session. That's when all the sister churches here of Sydney get together and then they vote us through. True. So we're actually two or three weeks. So the paperwork's done. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, the thing is, we were a church from the beginning. We were. The very first day we met on February 28, 2015. 15, I reckon. I think it was. And we're we're at, we're actually up and we're operating and I'll be there. This is the first time I've been at New Hope preaching for a few weeks, Hunty. I know, right? So if you're in northwest Sydney, I want to give you an invitation to come to New Hope Seventh day Adventist Church this Saturday. Worship starts at ten o'clock AM. Where is yes. it, Hunty? We are behind the Aldi in Quakers Hill and we're on at four Samuel Place. Uh, behind the BP, behind the Aldi and the Life Anglican Church, you can't miss us. So, for Samuel Place, Quakers Hill. Hill. Yeah. That's right. And if you come, you're going to hear some good music. Yes. You're going to worship. Yes. You're going to sing some good music. And I'll guarantee you, because I'm preaching this Saturday, a Bible-based sermon. Yes, straight from the Bible. Yeah. So, we'd love to see you there. But if you can't get to New Hope, there are Sabbath-keeping churches open all over Australia. And wherever you are, just Google Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yep. You'll find one, turn up, tell them the Aussie pastor sent you. They've got to treat you good then, don't they, Auntie? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't but get a, a, a warm welcome. And uh, I just hope and pray that if you do go, that you will have a very happy Sabbath. And more than that, that you will experience the Jesus that Paul Fuller talked about, mm. who is so powerful and changes your life so incredibly and gets down deep into your heart. And things it, it is true that things are never the same. Now, this last song, Jesus is the Answer, truly what Paul was talking about, Jesus is the answer to everything, is sung by Sam 
and May, who we often have on this program. Who were performing last Saturday they in were, church. They were worshipping last yes. Sabbath at church, but it's not just Sam and May this time. It's Praveen, Praveen and one of my wife's very best <laughs> friends, Shamila, and they're singing this beautiful song, and I think you'll really enjoy it. And listen to the words of it, mm, because indeed. the words are very deep. Very powerful. They are. And it's what Paul was talking about. Jesus truly is the answer. Some men tried so hard to prove that God's not really real, while others say they know for sure His love you cannot feel, but I know
beautiful song, aren't he? Fantastic. And if you want to know more about Jesus that Paul has been talking about this afternoon, I want you to just send one word to me, text and or email, Jesus. To zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or info at aussiepastor.com. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or info at aussiepastor.com. Okay. Wonderful program. Indeed. Was uh, blessed today and I just want to pray to finish. Dear Lord Jesus, may we all experience what Paul did. That life changing, incredible, wonderful thing when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and fills us with Jesus. May that be the experience of every listener here, I pray, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm a Aussie pastor. My name's Hunty, I'm the man in black. And we loved having you with us. Yeah, we love you. We do. We loved having you with us today. We love you. See you next time. God bless. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 